In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. I hope you're having a great day today, and welcome in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I got a quick story for you. Um, many years ago, many years ago, I'm not going to tell you how many, but many years ago, when I was pledging a fraternity at university, I was amazed at the entire subculture of the Greek leather college life. And one thing that struck me from that subculture was the definition of excuses that all fraternities and sororities had, had forced their pledges to memorize. And, and I, I'm going to let you in. I'm going to share that definition with you. I'm going to let you in. I'm going to share this with you today. The definition of excuses. Get this. Excuses are tools of incompetence. Pretended reasons for actions. Those who use them seldom amount to anything. Right? Phenomenal definition. It's, it's always stuck with me all these years later. Excuses, tools of incompetence, pretended reasons for actions. Those who use them seldom amount to anything. And I've always found that to be true. And it, it was true in uh, the Greek letter life, right? The pledges, you have pledges. They Pledges makes, they make excuses for everything, anything. Anything that's going to re the reason why they didn't do this or or didn't do that, right? So we always had to give them. We always say, oh, you know, they do something that uh, they fail to do something. We just make them stand there. We say, give us a definition for excuses, and they have to excuses, and they have to get a definition. And really, all we were saying was that don't make excuses for actions. Don't make excuses for actions. You either did or you didn't. And if you didn't, just deal with the consequences of failure. And don't repeat it. The critical race theory is an excuse for failure. That's what it is. The critical race theory is an excuse for failure. We're going to talk about this show. The critical race theory is given to blacks and Hispanics in this country by white supremacists who disguise themselves as progressives and as intellectual academic scholars. It's not your fault that you aren't succeeding. The deck was stacked against you from the beginning. And there's no way for you to overcome the system unless you depend on us and depend on the government to change it. That's the critical race theory. It's white supremacy with a taste of white guilt that your kids in college and even some high schools are being indoctrinated into right now. And it's, com it's completely incompatible with Catholic theology because it objectifies a human person and it sees them for only their skin color. And it's incompatible with truth and reason because it's not based on fact. So that's what we're talking about today on voicing truth and reason in the first half of the show. And in the second half of the show, Mr. Stephen Cox of LifeSite News, he will be on to talk about the attempted LGBT coup attempt of the Republican Party. If you'd like to opine, I'd like to hear from you. Just call in at 877 757-9424 again as 877-757-9424 or you can tweet at me at dlg on grn that's dlg on grn just tweet at me on the twitter and i'll see you there also if you're watching on the video on facebook or on our youtube you can comment there sister cecil anderson um, is the producer of the show on Guadalupe Radio Network. And so if you call in, you get to hear from Cecil. Also, you can get to see Cecil on Fridays on Back to the Father. 
And I hope you're enjoying this uh, 4 p.m. lineup on Guadalupe Radio Network that we've been doing since the beginning of the year for the most part. Um, I'm on Wednesdays, and then um, tomorrow um, we have we have a show at 4 o'clock, and on Fridays it is back to the Father. And then on Monday, Tuesdays, we have we have another show. In the mornings, we have intersection intersections at 9 a.m. So I hope you're enjoying the lineup that we're bringing to you. So, um, so yeah. That's what we're doing today. Uh, this critical race theory. And I think it's really important to talk about. Because like I said, it's, it's everywhere. Um, the academia is teaching it in universities. And is um, we're seeing a, the new Biden, the Biden administration. They're, they're rolling out in all these classes. They're sending out to the government. And uh, before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on this Sunday. Divine Mercy Sunday. And what I, I tell you, when I came into the Catholic Church in 2006, and after I found out about the plenary indulgence, that is the remission of the your uh, entire temporal punishment for sin, right? I, I just thought that was completely unbelievable and that it was such an opportunity for grace that's available on the second Sunday of Easter. And I remember reading St. Faustina Kowalska's diary and just being so caught up in how she elucidated the, uh, uh, upon the divine mercy of Jesus Christ. She always used the word, she would use the word fathomless mercy, right? Like an ocean. And at one point in her diary, she says that uh, humanity will not find peace. And Jesus says this to her, um, humanity will not find peace until it turns trustfully to divine mercy. Imagine that humanity will not find peace until it trustfully, until it turns trustfully to divine mercy. Isn't that true? So if you would like to be granted this remission of temporal punishment from your sins this Sunday, all you have to do are these things, right? First, make sure that you receive the sacrament of the sacramental absolution from through the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, and that you are detached from any affection from sin, even venial sin. Now, with those two conditions met, with those two conditions met, there are two places where you can receive this grace through the intercession of the Catholic Church. First, at the Catholic Mass, obviously. Um, not just any Catholic Mass, where the, the cap where the priest, the priest celebrants, where he's offering prayers and devotions in honor of divine mercy. So it has to be an intentional act on his part to participate um, in, in in this um in this plenary indulgence by offering prayers and devotions in honor of divine mercy. Now, if your priest isn't doing that, or you go to mass and he's not he's he, he's not making this um um. He's not being intentional in this regard. You have a second place. You can go to adoration and before the presence of the blessed sacrament, either exposed or reserved in a tabernacle. If there, just, you just pray the Our Father, the Creed, and you add a prayer that says, Merciful Jesus, I trust in you. Merciful Jesus, I trust in you. Now, at either the Holy Mass or before the tabernacle, you must also pray for the intentions of the Pope. Now, if you're at Mass and the priest celebrant is being intentional in offering devotions in honor of the Divine Mercy, he's probably already going to pray for the intentions of the Pope or um, it's going to be in the universal prayers. 
but be mindful of that condition and being by the boom. Thanks be to God. You've been granted remission for the entire entirety of temporal punishment for your sins up to that point. Now, what if you, whatever you do after mass, right? If you're in a parking lot, you just start cussing at somebody. Now that that's, that's back on you, right? You just, you just wasted everything you just did sort of, right? Um, but up to that point, you've been granted, been granted a plenary indulgence. So I encourage you to plan your week accordingly to position yourself for God's fathomless grace, because God does love you. God does desire the best for you. And God is inviting you to his mercy. You ever notice that God never makes excuses for himself or for us? You ever notice that you know, God doesn't make excuses for himself or for us. Jesus Christ called us to holiness without any exceptions. Without exception, God issued the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. He, God established such a high standard for his people and never said to us, oh, you know, uh, because of your race, uh, you're not going to be able to achieve these standards. He never said that. And no one in scripture ever said that God's law was racist. Just because the Jews were still committing idolatry and adultery and theft and murder. No one ever said that, that, that it, it was, no one ever even thought that it was God's, that God's law was the problem. But many people did recognize that the problem was the human condition and why we needed God to be like God and why we needed the truth to live in truth and why we needed grace to live in grace. So because we needed he who is holy so that we might be holy, we recognize that the law was not the problem. Rather, the condition was our fallen nature. That was the problem. Yet, those who posit this thing called the, 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 the critical race theory that your children are being indoctrinated into and that you yourself might have to take courses in if you work for some government agencies or if you're the corporation you work for is woke. The critical race theory is teaching people that they're teaching that, that, that people are simply incapable of obeying the law because of their skin color and that the law has been designed to perpetuate a racial caste system that relegates people of color to the bottom tiers. Now, before I, I deconstruct the critical race theory and that's been around since like the 1970s in academic circles, Allow me first to point out the one area of the critical race theory where we, we might say that it's compatible with Catholic theology. Now, the people who teach this theory are always quick to point out that it's not static, right? That, that, their, that their theory is always developing and that it does not have any hard definitions. And of course, that's what academics always say when they don't want to be wrong about something. Oh, it's developing. We're still studying it, right? But the one tenet that they all might agree on is that race is not biological. Rather, it's a social uh, construct and, and that science refutes the idea of biological race differences. And I think I would agree with them here just on the surface of what they're saying, because I think we're at the point now in society where I think most people would admit that race is more of a cultural construct than a biological one, right? Our, our differences are cultural, not biological. So 
to, to this point, and so I think this point is consistent with the Catholic idea of solidarity, that because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we're all equal in dignity. That, that the things that, that do make us different um, are things that we, we get from culture and society. Uh, but all these, those things are far below the nature that makes us one. So I think we can agree with the, uh, the critical race theorists on that narrow point. But where we have to disagree, at least in the United States, is their opinion that racism is embedded in American institutions, especially the legal system, to the degree that a caste system has been created that people cannot climb out of. The incompatibility here is that the critical race theorist does not see the person. They don't see the person. They, they see an object. And they in and, and, and doing so, they lump all blacks and Hispanics together in just this victim class of people. On the contrary, the Catholic idea, especially in soteriology or, or salvation theology, is that the human being is a distinct person, not an autonomous being, but a distinct being. Insofar as a he or she was known individually by God from the foundations of the earth, that he or she will have a personal judgment in the end. Catholic soteriology is incompatible with objectifying people um, and placing them in groups because salvation for us is about relationship. Right? It's about relationship. We were created uh, to be in personal relationship with God and created to have personal relationships with the children of God. Now, although we may um, be called into community of the many, the ecclesia, God's people, even in that community, we're called into communion, into covenant relationship with God. So the critical race theory denies this aspect of personal responsibility, that each human being is responsible for their actions. It denies the words of in uh, the book of Sirach, which says that um, God in the beginning created human beings and made them subject to their own free choice. Set before you are fire and water, whatever you choose, stretch out your hand. No, the critical race theory can only see colors and not personal choices. It, 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 uh, it, it gives people excuses, pretended reasons for actions for why they broke the law. Or excuses, tools of incompetence, why they lack determination. But it elevates storytelling over evidence and reason. For example, according to the critical race theory, the legal system in the United States is inherently racist. They, they say this without pointing to one law on a book today that explicitly targets people because of their race. Of course, 60, 100 years ago, you have plenty of laws like that. Relics from the Jim Crow era that explicitly target black, Amer black Americans. But as early as, a, as the decade when they started <laughs> pushing this critical race theory, when it first began being theorized, you cannot find any law that explicitly targets blacks or Hispanics because they are black or Hispanic. Therefore, how can a law be racist if the law does not target race? The letter of the law is a catch-all. It affects everyone who breaks the law, regardless of skin color. Now, the critical race theorists would, would argue that the evidence of blacks and Hispanics being more disproportionately affected by criminal law is evidence uh, uh, and, and evidence of the law targeting people because of the race. Uh, but, but again, 
that, that just because the people are disproportionately affected does not mean that the law is racist. But again, this is yet another example how lazy white supremacy is. Because rather than investigating why certain laws affect some communities more than others, they just lazily jump to race as being a reason. They got arrested because they were black. They got, to sit, they got sent to prison because they are Hispanic. They got a public defender um, who didn't want to help them because they were black. They got stopped by the police because their skin was brown. Yet, what if, what if we didn't just lazily jump to race as being the excuse? What if we didn't do that? Perhaps then we could find some real problems and find real solutions. What if race wasn't just a, just an automatic go-to excuse? What if we recognize that there are, there are three things that drive up crime in every community throughout the world. Now, before I get to those three things, I'm going to give you these three things that we can just take a better look at rather than just lazily jumping into race. But before I get to those three things, let me give you the phone number to call in and opine. If you think I'm wrong or if you think I'm spot on, just call in 877-757-9424. And again, that is 877-757-9424. This is the David L. Gray Show, Voicing Truth and Reason on the Guadalupe Network. All right, so the first thing, right, rather than just jumping to race as being the automatic go-to excuse, I think the first thing that drives up crime in communities is the lack of morals. The lack of morals and discipline being taught and expected by parents and in schools. In, in 1962, the United States Supreme Court declared school-sponsored prayers unconstitutional in the landmark case of Engel and Vital. A, a decade later, a decade later after they did that, look at this. A decade later, when those children began be, um, graduating from high school, state prison and jail populations grew by 60%. If you don't teach morals and values in society and you don't hold children accountable, you end up with a lawless society. We, we saw the Ten Commandments leave. We saw Bibles being banned, Bible class being banned. And 10 years later, when they started graduating, prison population skyrocketed. So it's not race, it's morals, values. The second thing that drives up crime in every community is poor education. People who do not have education and skills have fewer opportunities for illegal employment and more opportunities for illegal opportunities because they have to survive. And in this, in this materialistic society that we live in, where people are taught that they need a flat screen TV as much as they need bread, it over exasperates the pressure for the undereducated and underskilled people to figure out a way to get ahead. The third thing that drives up crime in every community. It's not about race. It's about all these other factors. We don't even get a chance to look at because we're too lazy. The, the third thing that drives up crime in every community throughout the world is fatherless homes. Here are some stats. Let me give them to you. Here are some facts, not emotion, facts. Children living in female-headed families with no spouse um, present have a poverty rate of 45.8% over four times higher than the rate of children in married couple homes, which is at 9.5%. Communities with higher poverty rate have over a quadruple amount of crime than higher income communities. States with a lower percentage of single family parents on average have lower rates of juvenile crime. Children of intact married families um, are at least 
are the least likely to engage in serious violent delinquency compared to children of single mothers or single fathers or mothers, stepfather families. The dominant role of fathers in preventing delinquency is well established. Uh, one study says the father contributes a sense of paternal paternal authority and discipline, which is conveyed by, through his involved presence. The additional benefits of his affection and attachment add to this primary benefit. Albert um, Bandera, a professor of psychology at, at Stanford um, University, he wrote this. He, he observed as, as early as 1959 early as 1959, that the delinquents suffer from an absence of father affection. Children in fatherless homes suffer more from child abuse, obesity, abandonment issues, and juvenile delinquency. So in these communities where we see people being disproportionately being um, caught for breaking the law, they also happen to be the same communities where we find the highest number of family schools, fatherless homes, and lack of discipline and morals being taught and enforced in schools in the home. Yet, the critical race theorists they want to tell us that it's because of their skin color alone why they're affected disproportionately by criminal law. It's because of their race. That's it. What a lazy excuse. And what a phenomenal sign to keep people suppressed and thinking that nothing is their fault. What a wonderful way to keep people looking at their skin color as an excuse for a lack of determination. That's why I say that the mental trickery or white supremacy coming out of the mouth of white liberals is far more dangerous than someone who wants to physically harm you because of your race. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but being convinced by the words that you are nothing because of your skin color is the most dangerous poison being spread in universities and boardrooms right now. Jan, what do you think? Hi. How are you? Thank you for allowing me on. And what I'm thinking is that what you said about the laws themselves not being biased is probably true, but it's not the laws themselves. It's the end of the laws, which certainly is biased. For example, the young man a few years ago here in Bel Air who was caught by police or stopped by police in front of his own home because he was black and they didn't feel he should be in Bel Air because he was black. So I think that there is a difference between the law itself and the application of the law, which is certainly biased. Absolutely. And that's the, that's one of oh, thanks for calling in, Jim. Where are you calling in from? Houston. Houston. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you. Um, that in those cases, so a person is arrested, obviously that happens. And then the application of the law. So I think sometimes we say, okay, is this person was arrested, arrested. Uh, we want to immediately jump to, or they're arrested because they're black or they're brown. Um, and so we want to blame the law on that rather than looking at the person who arrested him. You know, did they have some issues or was this person not, were they not trained well, or could they just have some prejudice? Right. And so I think, yeah, so the, the law itself may not be recognized color, but the person who's enforcing the law may very well. Man, you know, I don't know how to change that. Because it happens. Yeah, I think that's, happens, that's, you know, that's, that's not a, you know, one-off example. No, it's not. I think we, we've seen that just throughout history. And I think it's not something that's unique to the United States either. I think um, there's other countries where it happens where, you know, we, we may find that um, black people are not the minorities. Right. I think um, people who just have people who have prejudice, people who have issues, 
Um, sometimes those people should not be allowed to be in law enforcement. Sometimes if these instances keep happening, they need to be let go. Right. So I think there's some, I think, you know, people sin, people have human failures. Uh, but I think sometimes we let, let these things go. There was a, a case in Columbus recently where a young man was coming out of his garage, Jan, and the police officer had shot him. He's a black man and, um, he was shot and killed. And, but then we look back into that, that police officer's history. We saw that this wasn't the first time where something like that had happened. Okay. So I guess people do have, obviously they have issues. Um, but if we can't let these people who should not be in law enforcement continue to be in their position, I think that's one thing we can definitely do. That's easy to do. Right. Well, apparently not so easy. It keeps happening. I think. So. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah. So it's easy to do, but we just don't do what's easy. Yeah. That's definitely true. Apparently not. There's no motivation. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling in, Jan, with that great point. So um, well, let's very go well. to, let's go to Catherine. Catherine, Jan was just on the line. She's talking about how um, it's not the, um, the law itself may not be racist, but it's the application of it by bad actors. Uh, what do you say? Hello. Hey, Catherine. Hi. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. I am also calling from Houston and I'm a fellow convert. And when I sit in the pews on Sundays or during the week, I look around my small church at all the people, and I see all colors and all ages and all stages, and I get overwhelmed with this love from God for all people. And I really reflect on how Christianity and the call to be Catholic and live the sacraments and the focus on human dignity has no color, and, it, and it's so freeing, and it's so welcoming and it's so inclusive, and it's so ancient. <laughs> and all of this new critical race theory that's coming or that, you know, in development and, and, and it's being thrown at everybody through the television, through music, through media, through everything, is so divisive and racist and, and horrifying and restricting. And it's like putting everybody back into jails and back into chains and back into, you know, being divided. And so my question is, is you, you have clearly and eloquently named three things that are so very true, the fatherlessness and, and all of these other items. My, my basic question is, what is a person in the pews to do? How can we mitigate what's coming? How do we, what do we do? <laughs> What do we do with all of this? <laughs> yeah, and I, that's a, yeah, that's a, such a uh, beautiful point that you made, Catherine, about how when we're at the liturgy, we, we see Catholicity. We we see that it's all of God's people. I, you know, hopefully, I, you know, location matters, right? Every, everyone doesn't see that. That's definitely what I see here where I'm at in, in southwest Illinois. Um, mm -hmm. And that's I think that's really the crux of it. I think we as Catholics, we, we've gotten so caught up in you know, we're, we, we, I think we tend to rely on how the world wants to deal with solutions, deal with problems that they're apparent problems rather than what the church has taught for the last 2000 years 
about uh, bringing uh, uh, the solutions that Christ offered into the world. I mean, just like the whole, you know, I, I see so many churches with these Black Lives Matter banner, right? These banners. And that's yeah. something that's a mantra that, that comes from the world. I mean, but what we learn from the gospel, we learn from Christ Jesus is that the reason why our life matters because he died for us and our lives ha and our lives has value because we were created in the image and likeness of God. So the first thing the Catholics have to do is stop just relying on these solutions and definitions and mantras of the world and just articulate what we've believed, what the church has taught for 2000 years. Like you said, solidarity. Um, that, that's a go. critical thing there. <laughs> And, 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 and Catholic schools um, have to, I think, articulate the gospel of, of Christ Jesus rather than um, the, these earthly mantras. The liturgy itself, the, lit the liturgy gives us a way to live in a world that if we just take out of the liturgy what we have received from it, I know it sounds idealistic, but if we take from the liturgy what we receive from it um, and, and bring that into the world and orient the world back to Christ, then... I think we have as Catholics, I think we have everything that we need to, um, as, as St. As, as Jesus told, um, uh, St. Faustina to, to draw upon that humanity will not find peace until it trustfully turns trustfully to divine mercy. And I think as Catholics, we have everything that we need to orient the world to trust in Jesus than to trust in government and is in, um, the solutions from the world. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. And I look forward to hearing your show more often. And I also look forward to hearing the, the person you're going to be talking with a little bit later in the program. So thank you for your work and your words and your books and your, your testament. Well, so thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. I appreciate you listening and calling in. So as Catherine said, we're about to take a quick break right now. And on the other side, I'm going to have Stephen Cox here from LifeSite News. And we're going to be talking about how the GOP is looks to be poised for a coup attempt by the LGBT agenda. This is the David O'Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. On Easter Sunday, we recall and celebrate that day in history when our Savior, Jesus Christ, through his own power, lifted himself out of the grave and rose from the dead. 
Easter Sunday serves as a great reminder why Catholic Radio exists in the first place. It's because we have been entrusted with a message that the whole world desperately needs to hear. The Guadalupe Radio Network reaches hundreds of thousands of souls each day with that message of salvation, that message of grace, and that message of hope. That's why each day we take great joy in joining together with you in the mission of proclaiming the good news to the world. Thank you so much for being part of the GRN family through your prayers and financial support. On behalf of all the GRN, we want to express to you our hope and prayers that you and your loved ones have a most blessed Easter season. This is Len Oswald, President of the GRN, with your GRN Family Minute. Welcome back in to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. To be part of the show, if you want to opine, um, talk to Stephen Cox, um, just call in 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-9424. Stephen Cox, what's going on, man? Welcome back onto the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure to be with you, and I'm so happy for all the success you're having uh, with your new show. I'm very excited for you. Oh, you're too kind. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so, man, look, I was on, I was on over at LifeSite News the other day, um, trying to check out some of your work, see what you've been into, and I was kind of, I was kind of surprised that you've written three essays, articles recently, sort of on the same subject. Let, let me, for our listeners, let me go ahead and read those titles for you, and then I'll ask you to just tell us what what's going on here, okay? Sure. Um, it looks like the first one you wrote on this topic was LGBT and religious America battle for the soul of the conservative move, moment, movement at CPAC 2021. Then you followed that one up with former Trump advisor concerned with LGBT uh, influence in conservative movement. And then you followed that one up with CPAC 2021 conservatives must embrace Christ, not LGBT. What's going on? So I was at uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference down in Orlando, Florida, uh, several weeks ago. Um, this is an annual event uh, the conservative movement holds. And what was apparent, what was obvious to me was that the grassroots on the political right is increasingly moving to the left on social issues like marriage, like homosexuality, like transgenderism. Uh, there was a, a drag queen, uh, so-called, uh, uh, a man who calls himself Lady Maga, who was there, who told me that he very much strongly believes the conservative movement is moving in his favor, uh, thanks in very much large part to uh, President Trump. Uh, you might recall, David, when uh, President Trump was elected, uh, that was 2016. A year before that, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, in Obergefell v. Hodges, that um, same-sex couples could, quote-unquote, get married. Now, we know that's a complete lie. We know sodomy is a sin that cries in heaven for vengeance. But um, President Trump didn't think to make that much of an issue uh, after the Supreme Court ruled on that. No one on the political right has really put up much of a fight against um, gay marriage or um, some other issues we'll talk about later today. So, so what I saw when I was down there was really front and center uh, how the libertarian aspect of the conservative movement is really becoming 
uh, more powerful because there were groups that historically were at CPAC, one in particular by the name of Americans for the Truth About Homosexuality, uh, that, that have been effectively banned from coming to CPAC. And pro-gay organizations like the Log Cabin Republicans uh, are, are basically taking their place, and, and they had a booth down there, and were allowed to promote their pro-LGBT agenda. So, so this is, a, this is a, a shift that's happened quite quickly on the political right, uh, and no one can deny it, it, what, what's happening here. Wow. The Republicans have, for a number of decades, um, Stephen, as you know, been able to keep uh, Catholics, at least those of us who actually believe what the Catholic Church teaches, they've been able to keep us in their pocket, right? Just for for up until uh, the gay marriage um, legislation that came through the Supreme Court uh, for two things, right? One, pro-life, right? That's been the our party that's been able to we've been able to vote for and pretty much trust them that okay for the most part they're going to do what they can to not expand abortion right they haven't done a whole lot to stop it but they've they've done some things not to expand it okay but the other thing up until as you said it was the gay marriage remember they used to be our champions oh it's been you know we're going to keep marriage between a man and a woman then all of a sudden after it goes to Supreme Court, really a little bit before that, but definitely after it goes to Supreme Court and the Supreme Court legislates it, that they just, like you said, threw their hands up. I mean, so what uh, is, is the Republican? So in, in, in seeing how influential the law cabin Republicans are and these other groups becoming in the, the GOP, I mean, how long, how much longer can we, we even trust them on the abortion issue? I mean, where's this headed? <laughs> Yeah, so we're seeing a very calculated move by the powers that be on the political right to say, all right, we've expended all of our political capital, we fought tooth and nail in the court system, and we lost on the marriage issue. So, so what the, the party elites are saying is that we're going to um, move, move beyond that. And a recent poll was released by the Public Religion Research Institute that found 51% for the first time in, in, in polling um, – majority of people who identify themselves as Republicans, 51%, are now okay with so-called same-sex marriage. And that's something the party is fine with because they think it's going to lead to uh, new voters coming in to uh, the party. And I'm not sure if you saw uh, David earlier this week. In fact, it might have been last night. Uh, on Tucker Carlson, there's a governor of Arkansas named Asa Hutchinson. And the Arkansas state legislature passed a law uh, saying we're not going to allow transgender, or rather, excuse me, gender, quote-unquote, transitioning, sex change operations, puberty blockers, things like this, to, uh, we're not going to allow it for, kid, for children, okay? We're not going to allow it to happen. Tucker Carlson had on Asa Hutchinson because he vetoed the bill, okay? And it was about a 10-minute long um, discussion, and the argument that eventually Hutchinson made is that he said, this is a limited government issue, we can't be involved in these very complex uh, issues and at the very last minute he said we also need to focus on broadening the party okay and that to me is the dead giveaway here but the political right not just Hutchinson but also Christy Nome in South Dakota she she issued a veto of a bill that would have uh, kept uh, uh, girls out of boys sports uh, and vice versa individuals who say they're 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 transgender of course we know they're just confused about their gender um, and she, she she vetoed that bill she said I'm not going to sign that so they're making these calculated decisions 
to say, all right, we're going to broaden the party. And I don't know, David, I don't see evidence that any of this is going to win over the crucially important swing voters in key states that Republicans need for the presidency. I'm not seeing millions of voters just turning out on this one issue. In fact, how many gay, homosexual, and transgender so-called people are there in this country? It's a small, small percentage. So this outreach that's happening, I think, is very politically um, it's misguided. I don't think it's going to have um, the effect that they want. It's going to, I think, ultimately result in um, Christian concerns about the family and marriage being basically kicked to the curb. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, the camel's nose is under the tent. And it always happens with political movements. Whenever um, these groups are able to infiltrate and to get in, they always put pressure on the more conservative elements, and those groups tend to go by the wayside. And we're speaking with Stephen Cox. He is the assistant record director of digital marketing over at LifeSite News. If you want to find him online, just type in his name. That's Stephen with a P and Cox, K-O-K-X. And you could always go to LifeSite News and, and see his work there. And I was fascinated by a number of articles that he, he had written recently uh, about the LGBT influence and the Republican Party. And it's something I, I've been troubled with. And I like that you bring up some of the things that's happened recently. Uh, in, on the state level, and I was so disappointed with Christine Gnomes in, in South Dakota County because I, I just thought she was what they call a rock star. I mean, I was really looking forward to her future in in the party. She seemed to be just spot on with a lot of things, but when she just gave up, when she just capitulated to just uh, it's coming up with some fake excuse saying she didn't like the legislators' law and she's going to come up with some sort of executive action to deal with this with uh, girls having to compete with boys in sports, I was just so disappointed, Stephen. And we're talking about, I mean, this is just, I mean, this, I hate to see this happening to the Republican Party because I knew once they, they gave up on protecting marriage between one man and one woman, I, I knew it's, it's, it's what we said way back when this first happened. If you if you allow, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope argument. If you allow this to happen, these other things are going to happen. And that's and that's just what we're seeing. They 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 they, they right. gave up on marriage, and so all these other dominoes are just starting to fall one after the other, right? Absolutely. And and what's what's even more uh, kind of interesting with with, with Christy Nome, you know, she did come in as a rock star around 2010, 2013. Um, she won a seat as a member of the Tea Party. Uh, she was a congresswoman before she now became the governor of South Dakota. And uh, what, what's further interesting is that she got third place at the CPAC straw poll this year. So President Trump at 55%, um, Ron DeSantis of, of Florida uh, uh, had, I think, 22%. Christy Noem had about 8 to 10%. Because she gave an effective speech, and she's been such a, a, a stalwart governor on uh, the mask mandates and the, and, and the coronavirus in, in her state. And so, yeah, this really kind of throws a wrench into her political future. Um, I guess the calculation is here. Or at least, or, or, let me back up a second. It seems that she did sort of cave. The pressure really was put on her by groups like the, the Chamber of Commerce and other uh, big business interests who, who said, hey, look, you know, we don't, we're not in favor of this. So we'll see if eventually she works this out. I don't think she will. I think the damage has already been done on her political career um, as far as you know, this, this goes with social conservatives and Christians. And again, we need to remind ourselves and remind people like Governor Hutchinson uh, that it's not, uh, you know, there's nothing conservative 
about having the government out of the business of, uh, of you know, protecting children. I mean, these children are confused about their sexuality. We need uh, the government to, to promote uh, the truth about human sexuality, and, and we need to uphold Christian morality. So, so I want to say to these people um, who, who think, you know, the government should just get out of the business and, you know, all these sorts of things, that, hey, what's, what's, there's nothing conservative about any of this. If you don't tie the conservative movement to the Christian teachings of Jesus Christ and the Catholic morality, you're going to go by the wayside because Christ said, without me, you can do nothing. And nothing. So, you know, these, these people want to win these votes and, and get these new voters. It, it's going to be drastic. It's going to be damaging to the country on a spiritual level, again, because sodomy is a sin that cries to heaven for vengeance. Transgenderism attacks the human person uh, and it attacks God's plan for man and woman. And God will not be mocked. So if they want to have short-term political gain at the expense of mocking God, they got to have mercy on their soul. I'll pray for them. That's not what we as Catholics need to do. We need to call this out and stand for the truth and defend our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, I'm really yeah. Thank you, thank you for saying that. You know, I, you know, you know, Republican with Democrats. You know, we we've gotten used to with all the demonic activity you see of them, and then you know we got used to calling them the demonic National Party. But if the GOP keeps going down this road, the GOP is going to stand for godliness, godlessness on Percocet. I don't know. We have to come up with, with a with a, with an acronym for, for what GOP yeah. stands for. Because yeah. this this is yeah. this this is uh, this is ridiculous. And yeah, I mean, we do have to say, you know, I think a lot of Catholics, um, you know, Trump got our support, right? But we do have to admit, like you said in, in the opening, that this is his party and. Uh, and the, when he, when he started running for office, he was asked the question, and he said he and he clearly said that he doesn't think it should be overturned, and so and right. so this is his party, and and this is the way it's going. What's um what what are some of your thoughts on what's going on elsewhere? We we see down in in Georgia, <laughs> uh, we we see the woke corporations, right? The woke woke yeah. corporations have have. Uh, got in line behind Joe Biden to lie about election laws. And did you see this? The MLB, they pulled out their all-star game right out of, out of Atlanta. And they went to Denver where Denver has some of the same election laws <laughs> that they passed in, in Atlanta. What's going on? Well, you know, I'm a former baseball player. I grew up playing baseball at high school, everything. And I, I, I followed um, the Detroit Tigers for many years. I've always watched the playoffs. So, so it is a sad thing to see baseball going in this direction. And this isn't the first time baseball's made overtures to the social justice left. They've done um, uh, gay nights at the ballpark, various stadiums and teams, uh, and all sorts of things. So, so this is just really kind of a matter of time. Uh, you're right to point out the absurdity of how they moved this from Georgia to a state that has even more so-called restrictive laws uh, on voting. Um, but again, it goes back to actually, David, what we talked about about a month ago when I came on and talked about corporate communism. I mean, this is uh, an example of how much power and influence these corporations have in our country. And I think it's, it's quite dangerous because they have billions of dollars. They can pressure lawmakers, as they did, I think, with Christine Ohm and Asa Hutchinson. And they can really override the, the, the desire and, and, and wishes of the people. And they can put pressure and, and get whatever they want. Um, it's, it's a very dangerous 
um, a time we're coming into in our country. Uh, these, these, these organizations are not accountable to anybody. Uh, they can do pretty much whatever they want. And what we have to do, I mean, there's very little individually we can do, but uh, collectively we need to uh, hurt them where it, it hurts them the most, and that's at um, the pocketbook. We need, to, we need to protest as much as we can and not give in to uh, and support what they're doing. We saw the last couple of years of President Trump's presidency uh, how much the NFL was hurt in viewership. Uh, hopefully MLB will see a similar drop in viewership and uh, merchandise sales and things like that. Uh, so we have to do our best and continue to speak out because the left, Joe Biden, the woke corporations, you know, this isn't the 1960s Democrat Party where you know corporations are evil. At least they had some sort of you know, authentic uh, views back then. They were radical. They hated mega big corporations and multinationals, right? Now they're in bed with them. I mean, it was Hillary Clinton uh, who said, uh, who had the biggest corporate donors uh, more than President Trump, I believe. So, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, um, these, these corporations uh, are, are not friends to the American people. And in fact, I was happy to see that the Georgia state, state um, Republicans voted to uh, rescind tax breaks for, I think it was Delta Airlines, because they realized, hey, these guys, they're not our friends, uh, and we need to do something about that. Yeah, and I think they also, I think they took Coca-Cola out of, uh, I guess their vending machines, Coca-Cola products, they took it out of, of government offices uh, throughout Georgia, so I thought that, that was good, too. And we're speaking with Stephen Cox. He's Assistant Director of Digital Marketing over at LifeSite News. And if you want to call in and opine or speak with um, Stephen about this issue, about the LGBT uh, attended coup attempt of the GOP, and uh, uh, it seems like the, some sort of GOP legislators are starting to, uh, you know, invite these people into their chambers. Uh, you can call in Opine at 877-757-9424. Again, that's 877-757-9424. And, and Steve, I was thinking about, you know, I like I, I forget who says, I think someone says it kind of often. One um, legislator or, or talking here likes to say, if you go woke, you go broke, right? But <laughs> thinking about that, though, if you... These corporations, they they give a lot of money, a lot of money, to these politicians, and I'm I'm really disturbed by the, the fact I think by accepting money from corporations, right? So much so that corporations think that they are somehow participating in the role of government. That if government does something, that the role of corporations is somehow to participate. In this movement, and so that's not how society, our society, was supposed to be structured. You have a legislative branch, you have a executive branch, you have a judicial. That's government. Corporations are not part of the government. Well, it does go back to, um, you know, what is the role of corporate social responsibility? What is the role and freedom of businesses to uh, voice their concerns on public policy and lobbying laws? And it does go back to um, a ruling that was made, um, I think it was the 2000s, uh, Citizens United. And this was something that, that conservatives and Republicans actually did push. They said, look, uh, big business uh, corporations are uh, able to spend freely on their own speech and make their voice heard in society. And I think it's coming back uh, to bite them. And in fact, one individual who has spoken up against this is Tom Cotton. He's also from Arkansas. He's a Republican senator. And I'm reading a headline. Uh, right now I'm looking at on thehill.com. It says, Tom Cotton, 
says, Chamber of Commerce is a front service for woke corporations. And this is something that President Trump tapped into um, when he ran for president. He understood big businesses are, they don't have a devotion to the United States. They don't have any uh, loyalty to America. Their business is to make as much profit as they can. And historically, in the past 20, 30 years, they've done that by outsourcing jobs overseas and uh, taking advantage of low tax rates that uh, Republicans and others have given them. And so so in a sense, um, uh, you know, we're, we're getting angry at something that was sort of put into motion by this idea, okay, global free trade, et cetera, is a good thing. But President Trump understood, and this is why the Chamber of Commerce was really angry at him when he was president, because some of his laws did not promote global free trade, uh, is that he said, look, you have a duty to help Americans first. It is your obligation. And Canada Social Teaching, David, if you go into it, I think agrees with that. It says, look, we do have uh, uh, social charity, social justice, uh, properly understood uh, of individuals and companies in society. And we need to have uh, sound pro-family and, and, and pro a nationalistic economic policy so individuals and middle class families can survive so it's a, it's a big complicated mess but um uh we need to again look closer at that and understand okay hey look where does the church teaching come on this because i think the church thought all along um that this is not the way to go and we're seeing the results of that right. and we have alice on the line alice is calling in from the dallas fort worth area alice welcome on to the david O'Grace show voice and truth and reason Thank you for having me on. I Hi, Alex. What you got? Yes, I was curious if you have heard of the Yakarta principles. Um, they were, it was a blueprint that was put out in 2007 in Yakarta, Indonesia, by a group of uh, human rights uh, so-called experts. But in this conference, um, they put together a blueprint and then presented to the UN. And basically, um, it, it's a demand on all countries of the world um, to take measures to change their constitution and um, public policy to implement uh, this kind of it's a sexual revolution, but more so than from the 60s and 70s. It's, it's the whole um, LGBT and uh, movement. And I was curious if you knew about that. And if you didn't, I wanted to give you a heads up about it. Yeah, so thanks for letting me know. I had not heard about it. I did just do a quick Google search. I'm looking at it right now. And actually, this, this lines up exactly with what the globalists have been trying to do um, for quite some time, and in fact, what the United Nations has been pushing um, for quite a while, uh, they're trying to push um, not just transgenderism, but also so-called uh, reproductive issues, um, abortifacious, contraception on the third world countries. There's been plenty of individuals uh, who have noticed what's going on there. Uh, and we're even seeing this, uh, Alice, with what's going on with the Great Reset, I think. You're seeing individuals like Klaus Schwab and others at the UN and the World Economic Forum, as well as even uh, the World uh, Bank, who, who want to use this moment and literally reset everything, rethink our social order, and, and push a lot of this LGBT agenda. So having looked at this just in the moments that 
you alerted me to it. This this is exactly what to me has been happening. Um, what the UN's been pushing for quite a while, and in fact, they're not going to slow down. And unfortunately, we need we really need a strong a voice in the church to push back against this because what's happened is the United States has joined in on the uh, Paris Climate Accords. And that um, pushes pushes that abortion and contraceptive mentality under the guise of um, climate change. And unfortunately, the Vatican has supported uh, President Joe Biden's uh, decision to get the U.S. back into that because President Trump pulled the U.S. out. So, yeah, there there needs to be a whole rethinking and understanding uh, along Christian lines against all of these things, especially the the Yakarta uh, principles here. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Allison, and giving us that. We're about to close the show, but I appreciate you giving us uh, some homework and giving Stephen a future um, article to write. Thanks for that, Allison. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great day. All right, so you've been listening to Talking uh, the David O'Grady Show, Voice and Truth of Reason. Stephen Koss, thanks for coming in, and he'll be back again. We'll be talking some more in the future. But until then and until next time, Make sure that you you live your life like salvation matters. Remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you. And may the abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you. Happy Easter! Happy Easter!